G'day, I'm Carola and I have the pleasure of reading the Bible for us today. We're reading from Psalm 19. If you have the smaller version of the Blue Bibles, we're on page 545. If you're on your device, good luck. And on the screen behind me, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the end of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned, in keeping them there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sinnings. May they not rule over me, then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Thanks, Carola, and morning again. It's great to be with you all. This morning, I was here last year for the combined Sunday for those who are here and very much looking forward to it this year as well. Um, and one of the things we'll be doing on that combined Sunday is kicking off our big question series, which is something that we, that we do together between the, the four Trinity Network churches in the Northeast. I'm very much looking forward to partnering together in that again. Uh, for those who were here last year, you, re- you might remember that the question that, that we went through uh, together was... Um, what would make God worth believing in? What would make God worth believing in? That, that was the question that we were encouraged to, to go around and, and ask to, to people that we know. And the most popular answer that we got to that, that question was, God would be worth believing in if he showed himself to me in some way. Um, so in other words, there, there are lots of people in our, in our community, and, and, and maybe this includes you as well, um, who, are, who are prepared to believe in God but that they just don't believe that he's revealed himself enough. Um, it doesn't seem to be an issue, though, for King David, who writes Psalm 19, which we've, which we've just read. He, he thinks that God has done more than enough to reveal himself. And in particular, as he describes for us in this psalm, uh, God has revealed himself to us, firstly in creation, but then also in his word as well. And what that means, David tells us, what that means is that our response to God matters a lot. Uh, so we're going to unpack the psalm together and we're going to see what it means for us in the here and now today, 3,000 years after David first wrote it. 
Um, so firstly, God has revealed himself to us in creation. Uh, we read there in, in verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Uh, so when David looks up, he sees God's glorious handiwork. Um, the skies tell him something about God in the, in the same way that a beautiful painting reveals the skill of the artist. Uh, verse, verse 2 onwards, day after day they pour forth speech, the skies. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech, they use no words, no sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. Now, obviously the sky can't literally talk using words, but yet every day, David says, it's, it's preaching to us a sermon about who God is. Um, so on a nice summer's day, the sky shows us something of God's glorious beauty. On a thundery, stormy night, it shows us something of God's fearsome power. And as we gaze at stars that are an almost infinite distance away, uh, they reveal something of God's magnitude, just how big he is, how, how awesome and beyond understanding he is. Uh, the sun also speaks to us about God. Uh, David tells us, it's like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. So the, the, the sun has a beauty to it. It's like a, a groom, all, all shaved, all suited up, ready for his big wedding day. Uh, in fact, it's, it's, its beauty is too dazzling for us to look directly at it. Uh, it's funny, I've preached this sermon three times now. It's been an absolutely miserable day. <laughs> Every time I've just been longing for the sun to be shining through the windows behind me, but hasn't. maybe the fourth time will be the, the lucky one. Uh, but, but the sun is, is strong. It, it gives light. It gives life. It, its warmth fills the earth. And as we behold the sun, we, we see something about God's glory, his power, his provision, his, his all-encompassing presence with us. Uh, so what we see in the, the sky, the sun, and, and indeed in, in all of creation is just a hint of who God is. Uh, these are works of art that declare to us the skill and the glory of the artist. Uh, and the more we understand about creation from the, the largest star in the sky to the, the tiniest little molecule, the more we grasp of God's glory. In the New Testament book of Romans, the Apostle Paul declares that, that God has made himself known to us in creation, so much so that we're, we're accountable to how we respond to him. For since the creation of the world, Paul tells us, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. So, like David, Paul is telling us that the world and the universe around us, they, they express God's power and personality in a way that we ought to recognize and respond to. So, as we observe and experience the natural world, it, it should provoke in us an awareness of a creator who's behind it all, whose glory is reflected in his creation. It should drive us to, to seek after this creator. Uh, Paul is saying here, if you've experienced the wonder of creation, then you'll be held account 
to what to, you'll be held accountable to how you respond to it. Now, do you ever do you ever take that time just to just to gaze on the on God's creation and behold His glory? Now, now you might be thinking, okay, okay, God may have revealed something of Himself in creation, but how does that actually help us to to know Him? How does it prove to me that that God is good? How does it help me to know? How he wants to live. Well, that brings us to our second point from Psalm 19, which is that God has revealed himself in his word. Uh, so in verses 7 to 11, David praises the beauty of God's word. Creation gives us, I guess if you like, a, a sensual kind of knowledge of God's glory. It, it helps us to experience God's glory. But, but it's in God's word that we, that we see his glory in its full character. Uh, his word helps us to, to understand what we experience in creation. Uh, God's word or his law, David tells us, is perfect. It's trustworthy. It's right. It's radiant. It's firm. It's righteous. It makes the simple person wise. Uh, David is saying here, true wisdom begins with knowing who God is and living in response to who God is. Uh, you, can, you can tell um, David is, is deeply impacted by the power of Scripture. He, he, he says, God's Word, it gives joy to the heart. It gives light to the eyes. It refreshes the soul. Uh, in verse 10, David says, God's words are more precious than gold. They're sweeter than honey. The, the God who created us, the God who created everything, who, the God who holds the very universe in his hands... The, this God has revealed himself to us and called us into relationship with him. There's nothing that could be sweeter than that. Uh, verse 11, David says, By your words, your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Uh, so God's word, it offers us both warning and reward. It shows us who God is. It shows us what he's done for us. It shows us what it looks like to live a life that's pleasing to him. But it also warns us of the danger and the consequences of, of rejecting God or, or drifting away from him. Uh, when David talks about God's, God's law, his, his statutes, his precepts, he's talking about the word of God that was available to him at that time, which, which was probably only the first five books of the modern-day Bibles that we have. Um, but even in those books, God, God reveals so much about himself. Uh, he, his creation of the universe, his awesome promises, saving his people, being present with his people, uh, his laws which show us God's perfect character. But we're also faced with the reality of sin as well. And, and the choice that we have between living for God or rejecting him. And for us today, we, we have so much more of the picture than David had even back then, because we can see how the story has played out. Uh, we can see the problem of human sin even more clearly than David can, because we, we see how all of the Israelites and all of the kings after David just drifted further and further away from God, and they, they failed to keep his commands. And yet we can see the faithfulness and the graciousness of God in sending his own son, Jesus, to die for our sin. And the mighty power of God in, in raising Jesus back to life. 
and the promise that, that Jesus is going to return again to judge the world and to make all things right. And so God's word, it, it not only shows us his, his awesome holiness, but it, but it also shows us his amazing love as well. And so God's word is precious and it's sweet because it warns us not to ignore God and it points us to the ultimate reward that God offers. Now maybe you're here this morning and, and the Bible is a bit of a mystery to you. And we're, we're reading here that it's, that it's meant to be precious, it's meant to be sweet, but, but, it, but it just seems confusing. Well, my encouragement would be, if, if that's you, to, to begin by reading one of the gospel accounts of Jesus' life at the beginning of the New Testament. Uh, perhaps read it with someone else who, who can answer questions as you go. And see what you think of Jesus. Because the whole Bible is about Jesus. It's pointing us to Jesus. It fits together to show us who he is. And Jesus is the ultimate revelation of God. And so the Bible shows us who Jesus is, why we need him, and why he's so great. Uh, so God has revealed himself to us in creation. He's revealed himself to us through his word and, and ultimately through Jesus. And we need to respond to this revelation. And we see how David responds in verses 12 to 14 as, as he encounters God in, in creation and as he encounters God in his word. It, it drives him to prayer. Who can discern their own errors, David says? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I'll be blameless, innocent of great transgression. So the, the purity of God's word, it, it cuts David to the heart. Who, who can stand before such a perfect God? David is left wondering. Uh, a few years ago, a friend of um, Alicia, my wife and I, invited us along to her birthday party. Um, and it was going to be a bonfire, an outdoor bonfire birthday party. So, so she said to us, look, don't, don't dress up at all. Don't dress up for it. Just, just wear your daggiest clothes and just come as you are. Um, which, you know, I don't need to be told twice to, to dress down. So, so I came along wearing trackies and sneakers and a really sort of loose, badly fitting flanny jacket, just thinking, yep, dress, dress for comfort, not for appearance today. Um, sort, sort of outfit you just wear at home watching the footy kind of thing. And then, then we get there and every single other person is immaculately dressed. They, they clearly did not get the memo at all. The bonfire was this tiny little thing right at the edge of the property, miles away from where everyone else was, and everyone else was wearing chinos that were rolled up at the bottom, boat shoes without socks on, and country road jumpers, and all that kind of thing. And, and, and I just stood out like a sore thumb. I was the shabbiest looking guy in the suburb. And God's word, in, in its perfect purity, does, does a similar thing to that, to, to King David. Um, it exposes his sin as, as he comes face to face with who God is. It, it, it exposes all the, all the messy things about him. Uh, it exposes our sin as well. It exposes our, our willful sin, those, those areas of my life that, that I know don't line up with the way God is calling me to live. And it makes us concerned about our hidden faults as well, those, those things that I do without even realizing it, without even thinking about it. And the beauty of the gospel message is that God answers this prayer that David, that David prays. Through Jesus, we can stand before God, forgiven, blameless, innocent. 
We can do that because Jesus took our sin on himself. He, he took our, our shabbiness and our brokenness on himself. And so God's word, as we, we open it, it's a devastating mirror to our sin. It, it shows us exactly how bad we are. It shows us everything that's wrong. But even more than that, it is a wonderful revelation of God's grace. It shows us exactly what God has done to solve the problem. And as David beholds God's glory, his, his desire is to please God in every part of his life. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart, he prays, be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. God has revealed himself to us in creation. He's revealed himself to us in his word. And, and our right response is to turn from our sin and to live for him. And the power to do that comes from the Spirit of God working in us through the Word of God. If you, if you own a Bible or if you've got a Bible app on your phone or, or anything like that, do, do you believe that the Bible is the most valuable thing that you own? Now, Alicia and I got our wills drawn up um, last year, bit of a bit of a morbid process to go through thinking about all of that that has to be done. Um, and, and as part of that, our, our lawyer was asking us, what are, what are the, the, the assets you've got? What are the, what are the most valuable things you own? What, what are the, the really expensive things that you own? Um, which, you know, it was, a, it was a fairly short conversation, which made, made the meeting quite easy. But, but I did think to myself afterwards, I, I've got a book that reveals the one true God and shows the way to eternal life. I've, I've got the most valuable thing in the world. In fact, I've got about five copies of it at home. I'm, I'm loaded. Now, obviously the retail value doesn't quite reflect that, but, but what we have in the Bible is more, more valuable than, than all of the cars, all of the houses, all of the businesses, everything in the world combined. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? And if you do, are, are you giving God's word the position of ultimate influence in your life. See, whether we realize it or not, we have got lots of different voices speaking to us in life, trying to, trying to influence our opinions and, and the lives that we live. Is the Bible the one that we're taking our lead from? Is it shaping the, the decisions and the priorities in your life? Um, does it shape the way that you think about big topical issues today, like um, climate change and, and the voice to parliament, that, that kind of thing? Is reading the Bible the most important thing that you do each day? See, that, that's the kind of discipline, I think, that comes from knowing that God's Word is precious, even when it doesn't feel like that. See, my, my guess is that for most of us, our Bible reading experience is a little bit different to, to what David describes here. It's a, maybe a little bit drier than, than what David is talking about here. Sometimes we, we read the Bible and something just hits us right between the eyes. It's, it's something that, that relates to our life at the moment or something that really speaks directly to us. But it doesn't always seem that way, does it? Sometimes it can feel a bit like we're, we're, we're going through the motions with it. And I think what can help with this tension is thinking about our Bible reading with the long game in mind. Uh, see, the picture we get of, of King David when we read about him, he, he, he's not just a guy who picked up his Bible every now and then and had a bit of a, bit of a skim read through it. He was soaked in it. And the more time that he spent in God's Word, the more he saw 
the beauty of it. Reading the Bible, it might seem more productive for us some days than other days, but you know, across a year, across 10 years, it's going to have a big impact on us. It's a bit like eating food. Like I, I think about the last year, and I've, I've eaten some really memorable meals over, over the last year, but I've, I've forgotten 99% of the meals that I've eaten. But hey, I'm alive, right? The, food, the food's done its job. It's nourished me, and, it, and it's sustained me. And God's word over the journey does, does the same thing for us. Um, I think there's something really special about speaking to, to someone who, a bit older, someone who's been following Jesus for 50, 60, 70 years, that kind of thing. And, and just some, someone who's lived in the Bible and just seeing how, how God's word shapes their whole view of life. Um, so as we, as we open our Bibles this week, this month, this year onwards, Let's do it knowing that these are the words of the God who created everything in the universe, from the, from the biggest planet to the, to the tiniest little detail. The God who loves and dwells with his people and, and who wants us to know him as well. Uh, let's remember that this part of God's word that I'm reading today is part of his awesome rescue plan for us. There's something important here for me to, to know, to believe to be challenged by, to be encouraged by. And if you're not in the regular habit of, of reading the Bible, it'd, it'd be great to, to think through, what are, what are some ways that I could build this into the regular rhythm of my life? Maybe, maybe it's reading over breakfast, uh, maybe it's having it on audio in the car on the way to work, maybe, maybe it's just waking up a little bit earlier and doing it, doing it first thing. Is there just a small platform that you can, that you can start on and, and build up off that? Um, maybe you find yourself, you, you read the Bible, but you find yourself getting into box-ticking mode a bit with it. It's just, just another task that I've got to do today. If that's you, is there some way that you can shake up your routine a little bit? Um, add something extra into it. Perhaps make it a habit to come away each time you read the Bible with, with something that's, that you're going to pray about, something that you're going to talk to other people about. Uh, or do you find the Bible hard to understand? Um, maybe, as I said before, you can try reading the Bible one-to-one with someone. Maybe having a devotional book alongside of it as well, just, just to be able to compare what you're reading and, and get some extra thoughts on it as well. Um, I should have done my homework before. I'm, I'm not sure if you call your groups home groups or growth groups or community groups here. Can someone help me out? Someone help me out. Community groups? Yep, great. <laughs> um, community groups are great as well. It's, it's such a good time to, to be in fellowship with other people and to be reading God's word together and to be sharpening each other as you do that and, and helping each other to see more and more of the beauty and the glory of God in his word. So if you're not in a group, I'd, I'd really encourage you to go through whatever channels are at this church to do that, have, have a chat with, with Luke or with Amanda about that. Uh, my hope and my prayer is, is that we would all delight more and more in, in soaking ourselves in God's word and, and seeing more and more clearly just how sweet and how precious it is. Uh, that like David, we would behold God's glory in his word, that we would behold his glory in creation, and, and that as we take in just how, how awesome and how loving and how gracious God is, that our heartfelt desire would be to live lives that are pleasing in his sight. So why don't I pray for that? Our loving and powerful God, our rock and our redeemer, we praise you for your glory which the heavens declare and which your word reveals. 
We ask that you would show us the preciousness and the sweetness of your word as we soak ourselves in it. And as we behold your glory, pleased with the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts, be pleasing in your sight. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.